Welcome to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. The hit cast offers a weekly look at Hollywood from a conservative point of view. Sick of media bias infecting Hollywood headlines? Tired of stars insulting your views? Hit has your back. Now, here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to episode 49 of the Hollywood and Toto podcast. This week we're speaking with Brett R. Smith, the HitCast's first repeat guest. He's one of the creative minds behind Thump, the first Bundred Days. It's the most subversive children's book you'll read all year. This week's show is sponsored by Spacey Be Gone, the new app that removes sexual predators from your favorite films. Before my interview with Brett, I wanted to talk about being woke. It could be the most annoying word of 2017. And it came to my mind recently when even more sex abuse allegations rocked Hollywood. The latest, Louis C.K. He's a great comedian, star of the amazing FX series, Louis, and he uh, has been behaving rather badly, it seems. Uh, A New York Times article mentioned that he had been accused of exposing himself and pleasuring himself in front of multiple women. And before you know it, Louis C.K. said, yep, that's me, I did it, I'm sorry, And, of course, he unrolled the latest in a long series of celebrity apologies. Well, what's interesting about this particular situation is that some comedians probably knew what was going on. Uh, Roseanne Barr has discussed this in the past regarding CK. Also, Aziz Ansari was asked during an interview about the topic, and he said basically kind of shut down and didn't reveal anything. Now... Other comics likely knew uh, there's a story on HuffPo uh, regarding John Stewart that maybe he was a little bit coy when asked about a similar situation regarding CK. Once again, we've got an open secret in the Hollywood community, much like the Harvey Weinstein scandal. So why didn't any comedian come forward and say, hey, these women are being treated very shabbily. This guy's a huge power and a great talent, but that's not the way you treat women at all. Is that Woke 101? I don't think so. They didn't say a word. No one did. It was one of those open secrets once more. And it took the women involved in these situations to expose CK, no pun intended, and sound the alarm. Good for them. As we're seeing that more and more these days, and that's why all these stories are breaking in the news, and who knows what's going to break by the time I finish recording this podcast. You know, if being woke means men clamming up rather than speaking out about potential predators... I'm glad to keep my unwoke status. You're listening to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. My hit tip of the week is Gilbert. The new documentary is in select theaters nationwide, and it's playing in a movie house near you. Definitely check it out. The film reveals the personal life of one of the most secretive comics around. I first heard Gilbert Gottfried interviewed on the Howard Stern Show dozens of times years ago. And I remember they pried and they pried in all the ways that Howard Stern can do so well. They got nothing out of him. I learned almost nothing about his life, about what he was as a person. I think the only thing that really came forward was that he was incredibly cheap. It was one of the running jokes on the show, and he didn't exactly hide it. So (laughs) I knew that and nothing else. But this documentary, it opens up a whole new world as far as Gilbert Gottfried, the person the fact that he's a married man, he's got kids, he's a sweet, loving dad. He's got a peculiar but very warm relationship with his wife, Dara, one of the really good highlights of this particular film. But the thing that really kind of drew my attention to the whole Gilbert story is how he handled that Aflac scandal. Remember, he tweeted out those really inappropriate jokes about Japan following the tsunami, which killed thousands of people. It was just Gilbert being Gilbert. He's always kind of pushing those buttons. But 
that didn't exactly uh, endear himself to Team Affleck. They fired him, but it looked like that was the kind of thing that could really hurt, if not ruin, a career. I mean, you don't have to kind of look too far back to see Michael Richards when he dropped the N-bomb during a uh, stand-up performance. What happened there? His career went nowhere for years and years, and frankly, it's never recovered. He's never been the star he was with Seinfeld, and of course, he's never going to reach that heights, but does anyone talk about him anymore? Is he starring any major projects, even minor projects? Would Gilbert Gottfried follow that path? Well, you know, he didn't, and I think we know that now, but the movie Gilbert talks about that and shows what happened afterwards. The director is Neil Berkeley, and I spoke to him recently for HollywoodInToto.com. You could check out the interview there. He said the moral of that particular part of Gilbert's story is that the PC police don't always win. They didn't with Godfrey, and more comedians should speak their minds without worrying about those scolds wagging their fingers and saying, you can't do this, you can't say that. Of course, it's easier said than done, but it still can be done. Now, if you want to find out more about Gilbert the movie, go to gilbertmovie.com for more information and find out where it may be playing in a theater near you. Also, check out that story with Neil Berkeley. Had a really good interview with him. That, again, is at hollywoodintoto.com. Just type in Berkeley in the search engine. It'll pop up or just... Type in Gilbert. You are listening to my husband's podcast. He respects women and potted plants. Now let's get to my chat with Brett R. Smith. You know, Brett is one of the very few conservatives who not only understands pop culture, but he knows how to weaponize it. And he's been doing it for a while now. He did it really effectively with Clinton Cash. That was the graphic novel that took that famous book and kind of made it in a more accessible form. Of course, I think it really helped hurt Hillary Clinton, her campaign, both the book and the original nonfiction treatment as well. It kind of showed people what she was all about, but also it endeared itself, at least the latter, the graphic novel version, to a different audience, a younger audience for sure. His latest project is even more outrageous when you think about what's going on in pop culture today. It's called Thump, the first Bundred Days, and it recalls the crazy wild election of 2016 in which a lovable rabbit named Thump emerged victorious. The illustrations are amazing, and the captions will make MAGA fans fall in love with the book, but I think even liberals may smile a bit when they're reading it. It's hardly a shock that it's selling well. There's nothing else quite like it in the marketplace, and again, that's where Brett R. Smith shines. So here's my interview with Brett R. Smith. Well, first of all, cool. Brett, thank you for joining the show and becoming the, the HitCast's first repeat guest. It's your uh, the first time I've checked in with someone twice, but uh, given the fact you've got a new book out, I thought it was mandatory that I do so. So uh, thanks for joining the show. Now, I, I have to ask the obvious question is the idea for Thump the first hundred days. I mean, talk mm-hmm. about the origin real quickly, then we'll get into more meteor stuff. Yeah, you know, following the success of Clinton Cash, um, uh, uh, Timothy Lim and Mark Pellegrini reached out to me. Um, and Tim is a commercial artist and also an audiologist by day. But Tim does a lot of um, merchandise design for Lucasfilm and Hasbro and Marvel. So he's he's a really talented illustrator, really talented artist. And um, I remember him messaging me and saying, I just read Clinton Cash and I absolutely love it. And I didn't even know that there were artists in our industry who were kind of politically center right. So he kind of discovered me and discovered Chuck and all of the other guys on the Clinton Cash team um, by way of by way of the graphic novel, which is what brought us together. And he showed me um, this idea that he had for uh, a pro Trump book starring Donald Trump cast as a cute, lovable, fluffy bunny rabbit named Donald J. Thump. And he just showed me a couple pictures that he had done 
of just kind of character designs of Thump. And I was just blown away. I was just kind of like, oh, my God, that is so cute and so adorable and so <laughs> charming and funny and sort of this perfect juxtaposition because, it, you know, if you listen to the media, if you listen to entertainment, if you listen to anybody, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, in the media, basically, it, you know, Trump is this racist, misogynistic, homophobic Nazi. So I just thought, what a brilliant way to counter all of that by by creating this cute, adorable little bunny rabbit, um, which is sort of the exact opposite of what everybody says about him visually. And um, I just thought it was I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. And then I learned that Tim has pet rabbits of his own. Uh, I think he's got two. And um, and then we also learned later on that the Pences, Mike, Mike Pence, his wife and his daughter have a pet bunny rabbit named Marlon Bundo. <laughs> so so it all kind of came together that way. And, we, you know, and uh, that's kind of where Tim got, I think the I think that's sort of where the impetus for the for the character came from was his own rabbits. And then he uh, started designing this this uh, this this bunny, this Donald J. Thump bunny uh and then we learned that uh, the pences also have rabbits so it was like oh perfect so we uh marlon bundo does make an appearance in the book on uh i think i think three or four different pages uh with thump as well so it's um it was just it was just all kind of perfect gotcha. in, in a lot of ways and yeah. imagine you ranged it with his agent make sure that the, the rabbit got his you know cut of the uh the proceeds yeah. and everything from there you know obviously yeah. the book itself is it looks like a kid's book it's it's got that sort mm -hmm. of feel that veneer but it's more sophisticated than that. Talk about sort of the target audience, because I see it kind of mm -hmm. going in different directions. But from your perspective, who do you see as your sweet spot? You know, it, it's it's interesting because the book really did start out as something that was strictly for Trump supporters. You know, our our target always was there's 60 million Trump voters out there, and these people like want to be entertained and they want pop culture created for them, and they're largely ignored. They're ignored by the media, they're ignored by the entertainment industry, they're ignored by the comic book industry. So, you know, our idea was, let's be the first out there with the with sort of this first official piece of pro-Trump pop culture in the world, which is what Thump is. And um, as we, as, as I came on as the editor and creative director, and we were producing this thing, and it was, you know, uh, getting made, it became really obvious to us that a lot of the people that we're making this book for are parents. So the book is kind of like this children's book sort of in disguise in a lot of ways. It's basically 60 pages of a political cartoon on each page, you know, um, full color, beautiful illustrations. It's even got a hardcover. And, um, but it, and it was always kind of geared more towards adults. And then um, I brought on uh, a, a, a friend of mine named Colin Medine, who is a, um, uh, a writer for Breitbart and also a speechwriter for Milo. And he said, you know, he said, I've got kids and it would be really great if you could add maybe a couple lines to each page, which would rhyme. Mm -hmm. And there was always there was already um, three pages in the book, which had act one, two and three, which has, um, you know, kind of like a long stanza, which which all rhymes sort of like a children's book. But Colin's idea to bring in just like two little blurbs on each on each page, which rhyme, which would make it more like a children's book. And also he said that will give parents the, um, the, you know, the opportunity or the ability to read it to their kids because it'll read more like a children's book. And I thought that's really brilliant because, um, 
what I always kind of envisioned for Thump was it to have sort of a Pixar kind of Lego Batman sort of dynamic, mm-hmm. which is, you know, adults can go and watch it and they can be entertained because there's some adult overtones, but the kids love it too, because everything visually is very geared towards children. And, um, and really Thump, the first Bunder days is very light and very kind of innocent and fun. So it's, it's all, it was already kind of kid friendly to begin with. And then when we added these, um, when we added the copy on each page, just, and it's just two short little lines, which, which rhyme, it just kind of pulled the book together and it made it so adults who voted for Trump can enjoy it and they can have kind of this historical little memento, which documents the 2016 election, but they can also read it to their kids and the kids, kids can get it and enjoy it. And, and the, uh, obviously the illustrations are geared, geared towards kids, but, um, you know, that's kind of how it developed from being more of sort of just kind of something strictly for Trump supporters and adults. And then it was sort of like, well, you know, let's give it this kind of extra added, um, uh, you know, angle, which can also cater towards parents. Because one of the things that Colin and I talked about was, you know, every day, you know, kids go out into the world and whether it's through social media or entertainment or even even in the classroom, teachers are telling the kids that Trump is this evil, horrible monster and your parents are obviously horrible for supporting him. And it's sort of like, you know, if I was a little kid, I, I'd be really kind of confused. So by adding that copy and making it a little bit more kid friendly or kid accessible, it, um, it gave, you know, kind of gives parents sort of a nice tool to use to counter all of that indoctrination and propaganda that the kids get on a daily basis, whether it's, like I said, teachers in the classroom, uh, you know, with our wonderful public education system or, uh, you know, or just via the media, which is, I think some of the studies have shown it's like, I think, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's like 90% negative coverage. It's, yeah, it's in that ballpark. I've heard the same figure too. And it's I'm not, pretty crazy. I'm not yeah. surprised. When you think about, I think there are select liberals who will recoil at this book, like, you know, vampires and garlic. There's no, no avoiding that. I but hope I, so. <laughs> but I think others might be entertained or intrigued or find it amusing or colorful just based on its core entertainment value. Have you had any reactions like that from left of center? I know it's fairly new. The book is just out there, but anything yet? I have. Um, there's been a number of people who have seen the artwork and um, have seen previews of the book who are left of center and they've messaged me and they've messaged Tim and they've said, you know, look, this book isn't obviously for me, but it's beautiful. The illustrations are beautiful. It's fun. It's light. Uh, it's, um, it's very, you know, friendly and, and, um, uh, and, and charming. And, uh, that's been, that kind of tells me that we're, we kind of hit that sweet spot where, where we've got something that's very sort of disarming because it's so cute and fun. And, and yeah, there is a, there is a page on there which involves spirit cooking. So there is some stuff in there, which is, you know, a tiny bit edgy, but the way that we did it was, it, it, like I said, it's very light and very charming and funny. So it's very different than Clinton Cash, where Clinton Cash was sort of this um, kind of hard-nosed parody satire, sort of like death by 112 pages. This is a real 180 where we just wanted to be more commercial and more friendly and just kind of, you know, try and get as, as wide an audience as possible uh, with uh, with all of the Trump supporters out there. Because like I said, I mean, there's 60 million of them out there. And, you know, there's tons of anti-Trump pop culture out there. I mean, if you search 
Trump children's books on Amazon or anything <laughs> uh, related on Amazon. I mean, there's at least a half a dozen to a dozen anti-Trump books, yeah. which are all geared towards kids and whatnot. So sort of like, hey, let's be the first out there with something that's fun and that Trump supporters can get behind. And also there's no real, you know, in the pop culture realm, there's real, really no way that any of us can kind of show our love and support for the president by buying something other than maybe like a Make America Great Again hat. So that that was the other kind of idea was let's give people something that they can take home and put on their coffee table or on their bookshelf or uh, read to their kids or whatever um, that that uh, uh, captures this historical election, which was, um, you know, kind of a, a small revolution in a lot of ways. You know, we think about the modern comedians and the late night shows and all the Trump material they do. Some of it's funny and some of it, you know, Trump brings on himself. He's, he's sort of outrageous and brash. And I think yeah. a lot of it is mean and mean spirited. And yeah, I think man. that for those people, I mean, a, a Stephen Colbert wants to change your mind. He wants to entertain. He wants to get ratings. But at the end of the day, I think he's telling those jokes because he wants to kind of hold sway over people. And I think when he's doing it in a, in a vicious way, I don't think that's happening. From your perspective, do you see that not only did the Trump, the, the thump a sort of tone fit this project, but there's a better chance of you changing a harder mind or two? Or am I, I mean, maybe just talk about that real briefly. If, if, yeah, I, I, I think you hit it perfectly. Um, that was another reason why we wanted to do this book was because, you know, of of the people out there talking about Trump, it, it, they're so mean, they're so nasty, they're so cutting and sort of terse. And we wanted to get something out there, which was kind of the opposite. Um, and um, I don't think that that sways people. I think it I think it kind of secures the you know the masses who are already on that side. I think it just preaches to the converted. But um, you know, as far as like Kimmel and and Colbert and these guys, um, it, it's just so nasty. And, and and I think people are really tired that tired of that in a lot of ways. They want things to be. It's it's kind of like lighten up, man. I mean, you know, he is the president, and he's the president for you know the next you know three and a half years. So I mean, is this what we're gonna get? Like every night is just this constant drumbeat of Trump is bad, Trump is evil, and, and the world's going to end. Um, I, I just think that just kind of burns people out after a while. But yeah, um, I'm surprised it hasn't know, already, but I, I, I think that too. moment's coming. I think so, too. I think these guys are going to overdo it at some point in time, and people are going to start to tune out because, you know, you can't keep people cranked up like that for, for that long, you know? Um, and, and really, the other thing is, is that people are starting to realize that he's not as bad as uh, as what all these people you know portray him to be. Uh, in fact, it's quite the opposite in in a lot of ways. Uh, even Brian Cranston came out the other day and said, "Look, you know, uh, I don't I don't agree. I didn't vote for Trump, but I don't want him to fail because if he fails, then America fails. So of course I want him to succeed. So I think some actors are starting to kind of get it that mm -hmm. you know." A lot of the 60 million people that voted for Trump, they watch Brian Cranston movies. They watch <laughs> Breaking right. Bad. They're interested in pop culture. They're interested in being entertained. And why would you want to alienate half of the nation from your from your work? I, I just think that's kind of crazy. Yeah, you know? and we're seeing more and more of that. And I think that the, the Cranstons are the exception, but I hope that they become the rule. But they're, they're not quite yet, mm -hmm. that's for sure. You know, one of the reasons why I enjoy your work and I want to check in with you again is because you're one of the few people who really – gets using humor as a weapon in the culture wars from the right. I was kind of curious, from your point of view, are there others who are doing it? And I know, you're, let's not 
let's not call in your collaborators on this because I think it's obvious what they're what they're up to as well, and we'll we'll sure. give them enough shout outs for sure. But who else is doing it? And are there any folks on the right who you really admire what they're up to in that kind of particular space? You know, I think there's I think there are people out there that that are definitely using humor. Um, you know, to, to fight the left. Um, and it's, it's kind of like with Clinton cash, you know, the whole idea behind that was let's just use what the left has done to us for 30 years, which is, you know, via the daily show, uh, Saturday night live, which is largely parody humor mockery. Okay. So let's use those, that, that arsenal that they, you know, bombard us with every day, all day via entertainment and the media. Let's turn that back around and point it at them and see how they like it. And they didn't like it very much. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things. It's one of the most powerful thing you, you can do is, is uh, basically run your enemy's own game back on them. And, you know, the, the left have, have always thought that they own pop culture. And they don't. And so when you invade that space and you start using pop culture against them, it, it's I mean, you want to talk about being triggered. They go crazy. They really don't like it because they really don't know how to respond to it. They certainly know how to dish it out, but they really don't know how to take it when it's when it's kind of directed back at them. But I think, you know, I think, um, you know, off the top of my head, I think Lisa Di Pasquale does a great job using humor. You know, her book, The Social Justice Warrior Handbook, is just hilarious. And it just... It, it just nails millennials and just the whole social justice warrior movement perfectly and just kind of mocks and parodies them. Um, it, it's just hilarious. But um, there's not many people out there that are using the visual format that, that, that we used on Clinton Cash and that we're using on Thump. Most of those out there that are using humor are on a podcast or they're writing books. And I think that's fine. I think that's great. But, you know, if we're going to fight and be competitive in the culture war, we really need to have more mediums and different mediums at our disposal. And I go back to what Marshall McLuhan said, which is the medium is the message. And I think that books are fine. I think political ads are fine. Um, I think that uh, podcasts are great. I, I think we need all that in our arsenal. But we also need things like movies, TV shows, comic books, graphic novels, and of course, in the case of Thump, uh, sort of this quasi children's book that that sort of appeals to not only adults but also kids, because that's what the left does. They have this whole this whole you know arsenal of, uh, of of vehicles or mediums, if you will, that they use to subvert the culture from within. And um, if we're going to be competitive, and if we're going to certainly if we're going to try and win the culture war, I think we need more books like Thump and um, and more diversity of mediums as far as getting that pop culture out there. The right always seems to seems to recoil against pop culture for some reason. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure why they, they seem to be resigned to the fact that, Oh, you know, we'll just counter all of these movies and these animations and these, uh, graphic novels with a book, you know, a 300 page book on why conservatism is cool and hip and awesome is going to be, you know, the, uh, the remedy for, the left using all of these different entertainment methods and mediums. And I just don't think that's good enough. I think we need to be out there, you know, with pieces, producing pieces of pop culture that are equal to or greater than what the left does, mm -hmm. because that's what makes it authentic in the minds of the public. Yeah. And the diversity of attacks is what's it's critical as well. You know, you know, I feel like there's been an attempt on the left to lump Trump fans in with the alt-right and the alt-right even as a term has a lot of different meanings, but often it can be very negative. 
And then yeah. I think about sort of people on the creative front who are doing things like you're doing. Do you, mm-hmm. do you fear that maybe you and your colleagues may be branded a certain way or, or maybe even mistreated <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the sort of the cult in the commercial spaces? Or is that even happening right now? Uh, you know, you know, early on when we first um, when when Thump was available for pre-order, we were uh, there was an article written by um, I hate to even say their name, but uh, but I'm going to just because I like to call them out as much as I can because they're a bunch of cowards. But uh, there is a website called the Mary Sue mm-hmm. and the Mary Sue is sort of this um, extreme feminist pop culture website and they review comics and movies and all things pop culture from this sort of hard feminist angle and they're basically just a coven of crazy cat ladies who (laughs) hate men hate white cis males and all this social justice warrior nonsense and they wrote this article um targeting thump uh lisa's book the social justice warrior handbook and another another book that that uh post hill press who's our publisher put out um, which featured um, Pepe the Frog. And the title to this article was, um, I thought, what was it? It was Go Home Nazis, We Don't Want Your Children's Books, or your, you know, something like that. Yeah. Basically, they, they called us Nazis, and they called us white supremacists, and then they called us, I think they called us neo-Nazis at the end. So there's a, you know, an interesting uh, range there as far as, um, you know, how they were trying to describe us as, um, you know, horrible white supremacists, Nazis. And the funny thing is, is that they called, they called um, Tim uh, a white supremacist, the, the illustrator of Thump. Tim is half Chinese and half Filipino, <laughs> so that 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 was that struck us all as really funny. So we responded to them by um, by posting a picture of Tim on Twitter with a little sign that he's holding, and it says, "Hey Mary Sue, do we look like white suprem- Do I look like a white supremacist to you?" <laughs> That's great. It was really funny. They'd never responded. Mm-hmm. We've we've called them out many times. Tim continues to kind of troll them and go after them and and uh, ask for an apology. And but but what was interesting about that was that that's what that's one of the things that kind of um, uh, kicked Thump into high gear was the fact that uh, we kind of went we hit hard back at them, similar to what Trump does. You know, somebody hits Trump, Trump hits back twice as hard. And I think that's something. One of the things that I think. Um, all of us Trump supporters love about that man is that he fights back and he fights back to win. So we hit back at them really hard and we called them out and we, we, we continue to ask for an apology or a clarification. But that whole thing, that whole incident caused a lot of people to pay attention to Thump and to start looking at the book and to pay attention to us. And it caused kind of a backlash. Um, uh, it, and it brought a lot of attention to the book, which I don't think the Mary Sue necessarily uh, anticipated when they wrote that. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise, and we we sort of spun it um, to our advantage. And and I and I said in the beginning, I said, look, I said, you know, we can either, you know, contact a lawyer and have them, you know, uh, uh, send a letter, you know, saying we're going to sue you for liable, or we can do what Trump did during the campaign, which is take all of the negative stuff that was said about him and thrown at him and turn it into a positive. And that's what we were able to do with Thump. Much like Trump, we were able to take a negative and spin it into this wonderful positive, and that's when people really started to, um, you know, pay attention and be like, "What? Who is this Thump guy? And what is the deal with this <laughs> this Thump book? And who who is the Mary Sue? And why are they calling this Asian guy a white supremacist? You know, it was just it was so perfect. It was almost something like out of a Mel Brooks movie or something. I was just like, this is this is just too perfect. So we have been branded 
And I and and you know, anytime you're going to do anything that's pro-Trump, you're obviously risking being branded a racist, a homophobe. You know, uh, you know, once they once they roll through all of those, you know, racist, bigoted, homophobic, then they get to Nazi. Mm-hmm. So because that's kind of like the last ditch yeah. effort at uh, at trying to paint you in, in a bad light. So. There's always a little bit of risk. Um, I don't really worry about it because I kind of trust in the fact that we created something that's um, really special. And also, there's uh, we, we really did create it for the 60 million Trump voters out there who, like I, like I keep saying, deserve to have pop culture created for them and want to have pop culture related uh, produced for them, which they can relate to. And, um, you know, it's like my, you remember Michael Jordan said um, – um, Republicans buy sneakers too. Yep. I always go back to that man, and I always think to myself, why does Hollywood, you know, ignore and then also um, Hollywood and entertainment in general? I mean, whether it's comics, video games, whatever. Why did they? Why did they constantly feel the need to alienate and castigate half of America when half of America has discretionary income they could be spending on their 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 products or their content? Well, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. They're they're learning that now. I think the hard way. Also, a few weeks ago, I talked to Bruce Campbell of Evil Dead fame for the the Hitcast, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what he told me. He said, "You know what? Democrats and Republicans buy my DVDs, and I'm not getting political, particularly on social media." So, so good for him. And I think you're right. But uh, well, Brett, before we let you go, one last question, which is the million dollar question for you, given your unique skill set and also your vision. What's next? And are you juggling eighteen different ideas, trying to think about the next project? We're we're definitely uh, juggling where to go with Thump next, whether it's a sequel or a prequel or or what. Um, you know, we're kind of waiting for. Um, we we've certainly got enough material to do a sequel for Thump. Um, you know, you know, Thump is just the first uh, hundred days, if you will. You know, it starts off with Thump coming down the escalator at Thump Tower and announcing his campaign. Goes through the primaries, the general, and then it ends with him. Uh, you know, swearing uh, with his little paw on the Lincoln Bible. So we want to get into the actual administration and what's been happening over the last year, for sure. We're uh, we're kind of waiting for there to be a third act, if you will, which is, um, you know, tax cuts being passed or health care. So as soon as, you know, we get some uh, we get some good news there, I think we're going to have a sequel that's ready to go. But we've also toyed with the idea and we're, we're kind of batting it around as far as producing maybe a coloring and activity book for Thump uh, or possibly doing a prequel, maybe maybe a prequel where we can um, we can kind of touch upon who who Thump was prior to the election, you know, because a lot of millennials uh, don't even know Donald Trump other than maybe from The Apprentice. Uh, most of them don't know what his what his past uh, you know uh, career and life experiences were, and there's a lot of good stuff there. You know, like um, the you know the the ice skating rink in New York. There's uh, suing Florida or suing uh, uh, what was it? Uh, he was he sued um, the town which Mar-a-Lago is in, so they would allow blacks and Jews in. Um, there's a lot of good stuff there that we mm-hmm. could do for a prequel. But I think the next thing we're gonna do is gonna be a sequel. And uh, as far as like other stuff that I have going on, I am I'm juggling a couple different things, um, a possible graphic novel with uh, uh, with uh, Bannon again. You know, of course, I don't know if most people know this, but uh, Ban- Steve Bannon is the guy that hired me to produce Clinton Cash. So we're talking about doing something which is going to be um, it's it, it, if, if we get it going, it's going to be a Knights Templar 
graphic novel. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, very cool, historical, and lots of action, kind of a magnificent seven meets the Knights Templar. Um, so that's that's kind of what I've got going on. And um, Tim and I are also going to be, I think, I think we're going to start designing some stuff for the Breitbart online store here pretty quick uh, to kind of introduce some more pop culture sensibility to their store. Um, and it's all about getting pop culture out there. You know, the right will never win the culture war with the left if we don't produce culture. And pop culture is the most important uh, vehicle to target young people. And um, the left has kind of had a lock on that for a long time. And I'd really like to see more people who are, you know, I don't care if you're a libertarian or if you're conservative, if you are center right, we need to be producing more pop culture because one of the things that we need to do a better job at for our side is defining what's cool. And the left have been so effective in branding us as sort of these uncool, stodgy, jerks you know uh, i mean forget forget the racist bigoted homophobic thing most of the time we just look like a bunch of um dorks you know what i mean and really in a lot of ways i think being conservative or being center right is about as counterculture as you can get these days i mean we are kind of the punk rock in a lot of ways well, um thump is as subversive mm -hmm. as possible and just a quick mm -hmm. note a friend of a fr friend of a friend told me that his dad found my website, HollywoodandToto.com, and was enjoying it and loved the fact that I was a conservative critic who loved horror movies. I'm thinking, yeah, of course I love horror movies. There are plenty of conservatives who love horror movies. <laughs> but that's that stodgy image you mentioned. So exactly. It, it does take people aback, and I, I always want my site to be there, and you certainly uh, convey that as well. And if we can clone you, Brett, we'd be in better shape. But I'm glad there's at least <laughs> well, one Well, you, you as well. <laughs> you as well. You know what I mean? We need, we need more guys out there like you and me, you know, who – you know, who are, I think, better representatives of who, you know, you know, it's I always like to say that with this kind of Trump revolution, this kind of new wave Republicanism that we have, the Republican Party and people who are center right, it's not your grandfather's Republican Party. And it's certainly not your dad's Republican Party. It's something that's very new and very dynamic. And, you know, you and I are Gen Xers. And so we're kind of the future of this party. We are the future. You know, uh, we're the ones that are leading this movement. And we're very different. I mean, we're, we're hip and fun. And, and we love horror movies. We love pop culture. We love comic books. We love everything under the sun in pop culture. And um, we just need to define ourselves and not let the left control the narrative. And um, we're not dorks. I mean, not not at all. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're super cool. We're, we're very hip. And, uh, and, and, and frankly, it's like I said, you know, very avant-garde, very on the cutting edge because, you know, uh, the left is just sort of this bankrupt, uh, bankrupt of ideas and, and, um, and, and just kind of boring at this stage, you know, yeah. the, the fun and the excitement is with Trump and, and, and on our side, that's where all the, the dynam dynamism is. Um, I think even Scott Adams said recently that one of the big reasons why Trump won is because he's funny. He's hilarious. You know, which is kind of the opposite of Hillary. And, and I and I believe that. I mean, I mean, part of what's fun about Trump and Thump is, you know, you never know what they're going to say from day to day. And it's usually um, it usually makes you chuckle. So yeah, the whole, <laughs> you know, the whole little little Bob Corker and like um, a sad rocket man and all this stuff. It, it just cracked. What, what did he say about Michael Moore the other day? Um Oh, I know. Well, he, I know they went to war with him, but I'm not sure what he said specifically. I think he said sloppy Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> This is these these linguistic kill shots are, which is what Scott Adams describes them as, are, are just brilliant and they're just kind of part of the fun. I said from the beginning that if Trump won, it would be like a show, 
it would basically be like a daily, almost like a reality show. It would be the Trump show every day. And that's kind of what you get in a lot of ways. And it's hugely entertaining. And I think for people who are critical of Trump, and there are many, and I've had my big beefs with him, if mm -hmm. Republicans don't get the message that fighting back, fighting back hard, using humor, and not accepting the liberal narrative, if they don't get that message from him, then the party's doomed. Because as much Mm -hmm. as some people may hate Trump, they need to respect that element of him and realize how critical it is, not just to his success, but the success in the big picture. I, I think that's I think that's a brilliant point, um, and, and I totally agree. And I don't think that we've had a Republican president since Reagan uh, who has actively fought the culture war on his own. And that's what Trump is doing when he does this stuff. And he he labels people and he goes for these linguistic kill shots, even when he's fighting the NFL. That's that is him fighting the culture war. And we haven't really had anybody since Reagan who, you know, kind of came from that world to begin with. Um, who's been really um, um, equipped or able to really do that or willing. I mean, GW, I mean, George W. Bush wouldn't even defend himself or the administration or the Iraq war. I mean, they always just kind of went radio silent. This guy, Trump, is just it's, – it's just kind of like, you know, if you hit him, he's going to hit you back hard. And then if you, and then, you, know, if, if, if you continue on, he'll make it personal and, and he'll go after you. And, and just speaking – you know, personally, as well as from other friends who are Trump supporters, that is that's one of the things we love about him is that he loves the fight, mm-hmm. and and he's a real street fighter. Uh, uh, he he just doesn't take any crap off anybody, and um, it's just so nice to have somebody up there who's willing to to fight and to fight on behalf of us. Uh, you know, out here in uh, in the masses, it's you know it's one of the reasons why I'm so. Uh, happy that Jeff Flake is done because um, I'm from Arizona, so obviously uh, I've got you know kind of a personal investment in that. But um, Jeff Flake is just a wimp; he just doesn't want to fight, and uh, um, you know we're we're tired of that. We want street fighters. We want guys who will take it to the left, straight on, yeah. and uh, and you know and be relentless. Because you know what? That's what the left does to us. You know that's what that's what we can't you know forget is that that's what that's what the left always does to us. They they. You know, it's kind of like that. Remember when Obama quoted the untouchables? You know, if they bring a if they bring a a knife, you bring a gun, Mm -hmm. which is that famous line from Sean Connery when he and Kevin Costner are sitting in the the church where he's like, do you want to get Capone? Do you really want to get him? Are you willing to do, you know, what, you know, what, what needs to be done, which is. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get Capone. You know, he brings he brings a knife. You bring a gun. He puts one of your guys in the hospital. You put one of his guys in the morgue. That's how you get Capone. (laughs) That's the Democrats attitude. They believe that they're in a war. And, you know, we're kind of like we're, we're like these polite guys. Oh, the gentle lady from Indiana and my good friend from, you know, the great state of Arkansas. You know, we're, we're like all these nice, nicey, nice, polite, cordial guys. And that's part of the reason why I think you see this real split from a lot of the Republicans is because they're used to being sort of this cordial, nice guy party. And unfortunately, being a nice guy, it doesn't get you anywhere in politics, especially up there in D.C. So Trump's like, OK. You be nice to me. I'll be nice to you. You be a jerk to me. I'm going to be twice the jerk to you, and I'm going to come after you. So you know, mind your p's and q's. You know, and that's what we we love about him. I just had an image of uh, Thump in a football helmet, so you can feel free to steal that for your secret. I will. But uh, well, thanks again, Brett Smith, for joining the Hitcast. The new book, of course, is Thump. The First Bundred Days. It's available now on Amazon.com and other cool booksellers. Also, Thump has a Twitter handle at POTUS Thump. And you can check out Brett and some of his work at Brett R. Smith 76. Brett, thanks so much. And I'm sure you'll be uh, on the show again no time soon.
Thanks again. I really appreciate it. It was great to be back. Well, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out hollywoodandtoto.com for both the show notes and, of course, the latest entertainment news. Please follow me at Twitter at Hollywood and Toto. And we'd love it if you leave a podcast review over at iTunes. See you next week. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.